Welcome to the Frameworks and Finance Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Haney. Each week we talk about frameworks and finance concepts for your life and work. Let's learn together today. Thank you for listening today to Frameworks and Finance. Today I have Corey Nicholson on. And Corey was given a laptop at age 16 and within a week was selling products in a Shopify store. I know that's not what I was doing at 16. And uh, he dropped out after one week of college and started what became a seven-figure e-commerce brand. When he was not working on e-commerce or producing content through Twitter, YouTube, the other mediums, uh, he is obsessed with fitness and likes to lift weights and run ultra marathon trail races. Corey, thanks for being on the show. Curtis, thanks for having me, man. Yeah. So let's let's jump right in, man. Because like being a 16-year-old and like totally being, you know, motivated to go, you know, get that cash, like what drove you at 16 to like that was the first thing you wanted to go do? I think working a part-time job at McDonald's taught me a lot about money. I think that even to this day, I still have this framework in my head that whenever I'm looking at amounts of money that I might make from doing something, I always relate it back to that initial McDonald's days where it's like, hey, I would have worked 12 hours there to make this much. Now I'm doing it in 10 minutes or whatever. So that was always like one framework. But I realized that working this part-time job at age 16, 17, that it was just fixed, right? I would show up and work as much hours as I could and take extra shifts and whatever, but I knew I could easily do the math and just say, okay, I'm going to make X dollars this week because I worked X hours. Uh, and that kind of bothered me. I wanted it, I wanted to find something where I could work X hours or X less hours and still make the same amount of money, if not more. And that's where the whole idea of entrepreneurship first came around to me. I had friends that were you know, kind of t- tapering around doing small things with like their own small businesses, but it was nothing crazy. Um, and I met a friend of mine in high school who's now my business partner named Anthony. And um, he was doing this thing on Shopify. And I was like, hey, what's this? Like, I had no idea what it was, but he told me about it. I brushed it off for like a month or two. And then next thing you know, I got a laptop, like a hand-me-down from my grandparents, like a super old laptop. And I didn't even know, it was so janky and large, but I opened it up, managed to get on YouTube. And I figured out this whole Shopify thing within a week. I hit my friend. I messaged my friend Anthony again. I was like, "Hey, man, like, I'm toying around with this. Like, how do you do this all?" And he kind of introduced me to the whole concept of dropshipping and just how it all worked. Um, and from there, it was just a long rabbit hole of taking products from AliExpress and selling them on Shopify, and just mainly getting traffic back then through Facebook ads. Now the game has changed, where instead of just like rinsing and repeating that strategy, it's become more of a brand approach, right? Where we launched this current business in the middle of 2020. And said, hey, look, like let's actually stick with this for a long time and not give up so fast when things go south. Um, and actually build a real brand here, have a real brand presence. And so 2021 came around with COVID and we were really early on TikTok. And so we were one of the first e-commerce brands to ever do TikTok big. And that definitely helped us like with timing. Like we were just early and that helped. And now here we are today where same business is still around. And I just kind of study e-commerce as much as I can. And I think, yeah, like the first cash grab part was just that part-time job to this. It was like, okay, I need to find like the balance. And how, how old are you now? I'm 21. 21. Okay. That's what I was thinking. 21, 22. So that's, that's pretty cool. So what was your first product that you sold, uh, that you did drop shipping? One of the first ever orders I got, I was running a really unique offer back in the day called free plus shipping. 
like F plus S. And so you would basically set it up where you sell the product. In this case, it was like some little cheap golden necklace from AliExpress for free and then charge like 10, 12 bucks for shipping. Uh, unfortunately, I forgot to set a rate for shipping in Shopify. And so someone bought a free necklace and I was crushed. I was, I, I fulfilled the order still and I just felt like absolute trash. But then I set shipping and more and more came in. Yeah, it was a, it was a necklace and some golden necklace. I can't forget. I can't remember the exact link. What? That's <laughs> just so, you know, it's so random, which I know we'll get into some of this too. But like what, when you first started, like why did you pick what you picked? Like why did you go for a gold necklace or whatever other products you did? Um, I think that some of these tools are still around, but there's websites out there that will scrape all of the active Facebook ads that are being ran by advertisers and you can sort by keyword, whatever, how many views it has and see what's selling. And a lot of these scrapers have gotten so advanced that they'll actually find the Facebook ad link, the website that's selling it and the actual link to AliExpress to find like a very similar version, if not the same version. And so back then it was just, yeah, taking what was already trending and hot from those sites and just trying to catch the wave. That was the whole playbook back then. Gotcha. So you've, how many different products do you think you've sold? In my lifetime? Um, I don't know, maybe like over a hundred, I think like 75 to a hundred. Like I must've opened like back in the day, at least like 30 Shopify stores, just testing and tinkering and small things. That's cool. That's cool. So obviously at first you're just throwing stuff at the wall, like seeing what's stuck, you know, seeing how it all. So was there a point where you got more focused on like product and like what you're trying to sell? Um, what did that look like? Yeah, that's when we started Peachy. Like once I actually started my current business, Peachy Shapewear, um, that's when we started to realize, okay, product is like the most important thing here. Like you can be a great marketer and still do very well, but if, you have, if you're a great marketer and you have a great product, like you're really on track to do something big, right? Um, so we realized that um, and just put a lot, a lot more thought into the product, into the niche and the customer overall, and like what kind of pain points they had. Um, and that allowed us to unlock this scale that otherwise we probably wouldn't have never seen just doing the whole like dropship method. Yeah. So going, let's go back. Let's kind of go back because how long was it before you did this drop shipping that you launched between the start at age 16 to when you launched your current brand? Um, well, the current brand was launched like pretty much early slash mid 2020. And I started doing this e-commerce stuff back in like 2017, somewhere around there. So it was a good like two and a half, three years. Was that just all, you know, trying to see what worked or was that like, you know, were you actually making real money with that or were you just kind of struggling to, to like find something that worked for you? There was some small wins. So like you'd have like three small wins and one, like three small losses, then one decent sized win. And so even now, and you kind of just like play those numbers over time. And then now and then there was like a medium sized win where I sold one or two of them for like five or 10 K and that was just helpful. Uh, but nothing ever groundbreaking until we came across like peachy. Like it was more of a game of just like staying alive and yeah, seeing what's stuck before finding this. Yeah. So were you just, I guess, enjoying it like having fun with it is that what like helps you stick that out for that first three years of just trying to do whatever was it just kind of a you know like was or were you making like serious cash from this where you were like 
you know, I guess what I'm getting at is like you decided to go to college and then you drop out. So it's like there was clearly some other path here that you were interested in as well. So can you talk about that? Yeah, personally, I wanted anything other than a job or to be in business school. Personally, everyone has their own opinions. Uh, personally, that's all I wanted. And I knew that I could rather have a fun time doing this dropshipping thing because it actually was fun. And although I was far from you know making tons of cash, like you were saying, far from that. Um, it was like very early stage, small things, like nothing was happening. But it was a lot more fun than being stuck in a cubicle or listening to someone talk about stuff they've never actually done. So I stuck it out. And you know, eventually, if you have that positive mindset and you think positive about it, like you attract, you just attract success. Eventually, like you know, if you approach things like this, like it eventually just comes to you. I feel like. And so, of course, there's like a lot of factors like timing. But yeah, that was the way I viewed it. I just wanted nothing else but this. And so eventually what you focus on grows. And now here we are. Yeah. And I think I, that's why I find like the three years so interesting is like as a 16, 17, 18 year old kid, like you didn't, you don't need a whole lot, right? <laughs> you're, exactly. you're just trying, you're trying to whatever hobbies you've got, you're like trying to figure out those hobbies, like you're trying to do all this stuff. So even if, you know, even once you get out of college, like if you're, you know, you know, it's like, you know, you can live on pennies, you know, you have nothing. Uh, so what led you to peachy shapewear? Like what led you to this point? Tell me how you like found it. What made you decide that you were going to go all in on this? Okay. So the way that Peachy was first started was actually by my business partner, this guy who I met Anthony in high school. I mentioned him earlier. He started this alone and he kind of showed his girlfriend. I showed a few of my friends and we kind of agreed that this concept was good. And we agreed that, hey, we already are friends. We already have this YouTube channel together called Ecom Street. We should now launch this thing called Peachy. We should launch a brand together and see how that goes. And so we went some back and forth, um, launched this thing, made a logo, invested 2K each and kind of just like put it out there and kind of grew from there. But initially, yeah, it was just coming across a good trend. We saw Spanx, we saw Skims, we saw some big players and then we just jumped in. That's awesome. So that, and that's the, like, that's what I love about this is like, it's, it's you just trying a lot of different stuff and then like seeing a trend and like jumping on that. So when you're trying to identify a trend, like what, sort of things are you looking for? Like at the bare bones, like what are the little triggers that you're like saying, okay, this could be something to chase after? I think one of them, I, I just think the most important factor when it comes to this kind of like startup success is timing. I'm a big believer on that. Um, but when it comes to finding trends, um, it's kind of what the word suggests. Like I think that when I see a small amount of people or a small amount of companies doing something that has like a large mass appeal, that's pretty good. And I always like relate it back to TikTok. I, you know, like there was a few small brands and a few small creators doing, um, making content on an app that had network effects and had like possible to go viral. And so now TikTok is where it is today just because more and more people just caught on to the app. Attention spans are shorter. And so when same thing with products, like, um, everything's moving to this like digital lifestyle. Like that's why NFTs also like did so well, um, when they came around, like everything is moving towards this digital lifestyle and what we see celebrities do and what we see these bigger role models do, we try copying. We kind of want to like, you know, like what we buy is what we represent. And so when I, when we see people like Kim K launching a shapewear line and people buying her shapewear to kind of feel like Kim K, I was like, okay, this is a trend. This is here. I think we, we can capitalize and get some customers. Gotcha. So, so you're really, you're looking for, 
basically the market to have already kind of validated, like there's an interest in here. And then you try and come in and carve off the, you know, the piece, you know, a piece of that business essentially, or capture a certain piece of that clientele. Are you trying to go after like the exact same, uh, I guess what you call it, like avatar, or are you trying to go at a specific, you know, niche or part of that avatar? It's kind of more of a branch off. So yeah, like we will kind of take the same concepts and then apply and do shapewear for X instead. Uh, so something like that. And so like two huge like niches and kind of verticals for us was like bridal and anyone going to like any kind of like formal event, like uh, like clubbing, partying, et cetera, were like two huge cohorts for us. Whereas some brands might focus solely on shapewear for like postpartum, like for mothers that just had a baby and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, when you're, when you're chasing a trend, it does, it may not necessarily be like a product that is for you. Right. Exactly. So how do you work in a, you know, how do you work in something like that? Like, do you, do you just, you know, cut a lot of customer feedback? Like, like how do you keep, you know, on top of what's going on there? Yeah, it's definitely um, a slight disadvantage being a male running this thing is, just some things I won't understand. But like you said, it's just about talking to customers as much as possible. We have like a, we read all the reviews, we respond to them. There's a type form kind of survey that we send to customers and we just listen as much as possible. And even when we work with like influencers, we'll send them a package and we just want to get on the call with them and hear all their thoughts about what they like and don't like about the product so that we can kind of, yeah, be better for the future. It's just for us, it's just listening since we have like less intuition than like a female founder probably would. So you guys are still growing the brand, still focusing on that brand. And do you have any plans or thoughts on trying to chase another trend? Are you looking, are you like someone that's like constantly looking for that? Or is this like, we want to grow this to sell this. We want to grow this to, you know, what, what's your goal? What's your plan with the brand? I'm always dabbling into other ideas as well. So I'm all, I'm, I'm following crypto and web three and I'm following SaaS and I understand how both of those worlds kind of work as well. But full-time, I'm still kind of in this e-commerce gig. I think that it would be nice to get the brand taking off from us and as like through an exit at uh, some point next year. Uh, we were going to earlier this year, decided it wasn't right to. We wanted to keep running it, and we kind of pulled back some expenses, really drew profits back up, and had a much we like, we're having a much better year this year than last year in terms of actual profit and consistency. Last year was a roller coaster, and we had all this – it was the exploration phase, and we had all this – stuff going on and crazy growth some months and some months when they go to crap. Um, but now it's a much more like safer, consistent business. And so uh, I think in the near future, I'll probably start, I'll, I'll probably start something else up because there are some pros and cons to e-commerce. And I think one of them, one pro is like allowing, it gives, it gives you a bit more freedom than I think other, some other companies might not. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Like what, you know, if someone were getting into e-commerce today, like what would you tell them as far as where the opportunities are and where the the pain points or the things that they need to look out for? I think the opportunity is probably in TikTok. We're starting to see more people talk about this, but if you are launching a D2C e-commerce brand, um, one of those spots to be is just TikTok. I think that almost any brand, no matter the, the niche now, can have a presence on there. And so there are a handful of brands doing this very well where they'll only do organic stuff on TikTok and Instagram reels and YouTube shorts and generate like five, $10 million of revenue per year, which is just absolutely mind blowing. Um, so finding scale through content is like one of the biggest levers. 
I think if you're going to launch a brand, you got to collect content, build a community and post on all these platforms, especially TikTok um, in this day and age. Aside from that, there are some cons. If you're going to be starting a fashion business like me in apparel, there's a lot of SKUs. And so a lot of your cash flow is going to go straight into buying more inventory and buying more of those products since you might have from size small to 6X. That's a lot. Um, and so if you were just starting out and you haven't actually launched yet, you have no ideas, start with something that has a smaller SKU count so you don't have to spend so much of your cash flow on inventory because that is the name of the game in e-commerce, just free cash flow. Um, and then you'll find profitability through TikTok and building like a small network of creators and doing email marketing. I think that's like a fundamental since like the early 2000s or like early 2010s, I guess, is when like email marketing became this thing. And now even today, it's like a staple. You kind of need that as like your backbone, like getting like your your flow set up on Clavio or Privy. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. People have been saying email marketing or email is dead for so long now. And it's like, dude, it's still the backbone of all of these businesses. It's still uh, a way that you can make a lot of money. And uh, it's really still one of your only owned channels because that's really like the main, you know, that's the main driver. And I think uh, that's, that's interesting. And I think that's not going to change, you know, anytime soon. Yeah. Um, so it'll be, uh, I think if you're not, if you're trying to do something, either building a brand or building, a, uh, you know, e-commerce or like whatever you're doing, if you're doing anything online, the email list is the backbone of that. And like, it should be like a priority, especially like obviously making a money should be a priority. Right. But like outside of that, like there's, there's so much with that. Uh, what, like when you think about, so, and, and this is, this is interesting to me because obviously like the people on the podcast know, like I'm a CFO by day. So the numbers are like where I live a lot of the times, uh, you know, you had no experience, you know, obviously you invested some money up front where did you guys struggle with kind of that cash inventory, like back and forth? Like how have you, how, what, what's the process you've gone through with that? Definitely. You hit the nail on the head there. There are like at a certain point with e-commerce, if you do things right and you do find the growth, you're going to need some kind of funding or cash just to help keep up with it. Like we had two options. It was like, whoa, this growth is here. We're going super viral on TikTok because we're early and we have all these influencers sharing our stuff. Either we get some funding to like kind of secure everything and like get inventory in stock or we don't and we miss out on like a great story to tell one day. And so, yeah, we came across a few funding partners. I think that a few flexible ones are like ClearCo and Wayflyer where they'll fund you based on how much sales and revenue you're currently doing and they'll work with you to kind of work on a nice payback model. And so they'll kind of take like a, bit of interest, like eight or 10% or something. And then also a percentage of your daily sales will just go straight to them. Um, of course, the best option is still the bank in terms of cheapness. But if you can't get to that and you're new and you're younger like me, those are good options. Um, and there's a ton more, but like, yeah, we did work with a few of those partners just to help keep everything alive and keep inventory in stock. Cause I was like, that was like one of the cons that we had. And so yeah, e-commerce is much more capital intensive than like a software company maybe. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And and have you had any problems with, uh, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, stuff coming from overseas and just the slowdowns there. Have you had inventory problems with that? We did have one shipment go missing one time in May of 2021. We had around like 800 orders that were like late for like four weeks. 
and that blew up. Like our customer service inbox was exploding, and it was like we did like put triple the team onto that just like one problem for like a good two three weeks to kind of weather the storm. So there was that one mishap um that happened, but other than that, no, there hasn't been. I think that working. I think China is still like really good at what it's supposed to do for e-commerce merchants and like kind of give good pricing and be fair with shipping. We're seeing shipping rates kind of come down like across the board for almost all brands, like containers are being cheaper and whatnot compared to like previously. Um, but there was that one mishap that was brutal. That was definitely like one of the hardest things to get through. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'm sure, you know, it doesn't matter. Customers uh, intentionally or unintentionally probably aren't very forgiving of that. You know, they don't, they don't care about what they ordered their product and they want their product. Yes, so. you're right. Um, so what, you know, what systems or what things have you put in place to help you kind of like manage that, you know, cash flow with the inventory, with all of those issues? Well, now it's just about projecting everything at the start of each month and then saying, hey, like, where can we be saving more money and where can we be like getting better um, just cash flow in the bank? And so we've had to like fight quite a bit for payment terms with suppliers, but finally got them. And so for a while, we were just paying 100% upfront for everything when buying goods. Now it's like 80% down and 20% 30 days after receiving the goods. And that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when the numbers get bigger and when things add up in retrospect, it really does help us. Uh, so that was definitely one, like leveraging payment terms. The second would just be, yeah, getting more sales organically. So instead of having to spend so much on marketing, we put a focus on getting this like organic program going with micro-influencers and TikTok, which will just give us the same amounts of revenue before, but less paid marketing, which gives us better cash flow. So those are kind of like the main two that I say we focus on this year. Yeah, well, what you're talking about, I've you know posted about it's that it's the cash conversion cycle of you know from when you have cash go out to when you have it come in, and and it's really important that especially in an e-commerce because you know inventory can be such a big deal that you know and you understand that uh, you know I'm you know being 21, it's crazy to think you know all the stuff you've done. Like clearly you're you're like very very driven. Uh, you're you're very much, you know, like you can tell, like, you know, while you don't have an exact plan of what's coming next, like you've already got in your head that next, you know, that next thing, you know, right. And so what, like, why do you feel like you've been that driven from the very beginning? Um, it's hard to answer that. I actually don't know. I think um, sometimes you'll go into a coffee shop and you'll kind of just see someone sitting there and they just look upset. Like they'll walk up to the counter and look upset and the, the girl there will take his order and she knows he's upset. And it's just a very like dull picture. And I'm just like, I do not want that. I want to approach things with like a, like a, just a smile every time. And Sean Perry has this writing course that I took and he kind of, in the beginning, he told us, guys, you want to show up to this course with a honey, I'm home attitude. Kind of like from Lucy, that old show where you just show up every day with a smile on your face even if things are going wrong, just show up with that smile and be positive and you kind of attract the success. And so I, I can't say, I can't put my thumb on it, but the driven aspect just came from, I guess, manifesting the success and realizing that, yeah, like people have it worse. And as long as I'm not in a cubicle or not in like in a stupid like college dorm or whatever, then life can't be that bad. Like that's kind of the way I, view, that's kind of the way I viewed it. Well, there's some good times that it can happen in a college dorm. For sure. I've had, I've had those it's too. A, uh, yeah, it's a, 
I, I look back on that season and I'm glad that I enjoyed that season. But I'm glad that season was over. For sure. It was hard telling my friends no for like three St. Patty's days in a row. So I went out, when I went out this year for it, but three years of none is quite insane. That's funny. So do you feel like, you know, because, you know, obviously you're very driven in business. If you're running ultra marathons and like you're doing all this stuff, you're very driven in that because that requires a lot of training. I've not trained for an ultra, but you know, I've trained for a marathon and I know like that was like literally three, three, four months of commitment. And like, you know, it's, it's a commitment to do like, how do you feel like, I mean, did you have like, were you involved in sports, you know, kind of growing up? Was that a big part of your life? Yeah. I grew up playing hockey and a bit of cross country in high school. Uh, definitely like those two. Like I was kind of an all-around athlete, but hockey was like the main focus for sure. Like I grew up here in Canada, Toronto. So, and then that transition to these others. So do you feel like that contributed to some of your drive, like that competitive nature that came from sports? And I think that it's a good question. I think that honestly, I didn't try as hard as I thought I could have in high school when it came to sports. I, I was not giving it my all. And so maybe that actually was like a paradox and actually want me to try harder now that I had this whole business opportunity. I think in high school, I was just always in the middle, like average. And if I tried harder, I could have probably could have been higher, but I just never did. And so I didn't want that again. So, um, yeah, kind of changed it up. Yeah, no, I get that too. Like I definitely look back and I'm like, why didn't I try harder at these things? And I think like, yeah, I think like, it's just that, I don't know for me, like it was probably that just wanting to be cool. Cause like, you know, sometimes it's like not cool to be trying super hard. You yeah. Know? It's not. And, and so you want to just look like you're chill, you know, like you're just having a good time and not, not, um, you know, not putting out a lot of effort. Uh, but then you like found what you're motivated by, which was the money element. Right. And then you're like, no, I want to go make more money than what I did there. And so you could see where that like came out, you know, in different ways. Uh, how do you feel like, you know, with your, your current like ultra marathons and trail running and all that, how do you feel like that's helped you or contributed to your business? I think, I think running, I think running is one thing that every entrepreneur or any kind of just person in general, but especially business professionals should take up and try. And it can be like a 20 minute jog every three days or something like that, or just like a, a morning run or some kind of like light jog. But I think that that, increasing your cardio to that zone two to zone four state every day gets your mind in a place that is very hard to get to otherwise. And so there's been times where I've been dealt with difficult problems in my company and whatnot. And going out for those runs has just given me this like bird's eye view perspective on life that otherwise I wouldn't have had. I think like the, the more you can make it realistic and very painful, the better. And so I have some role models like David Goggins and this other person named Nick Bear who is like a content creator on YouTube. And these two people motivate me to really get into like the ultra running kind of space. And I come from like a bodybuilding background. So I already had like some of like the mindset there. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to run 60 kilometers in this crazy race in Calgary um, with like 9,000 feet of climb in the mountains. Let's just go do it. And that was back in February. So I trained for a good, whatever that was like five, six months and just ran it last weekend. And that was probably the most painful day of my life, but it's taught me so much more than, just the kilometers ran like there was so much more mentally behind that. Yeah. How do you like, what, what's one of those lessons that you learned that you could like apply to your business here in the future? I think similar to how around like the 45 K mark, 
I was ready to quit and everyone was ready to quit and everyone's legs hurt. It's kind of the same thing here. Like I've been to multiple business conferences. Like I went to um, one hosted by e-commerce fuel in Salt Lake city this year, which is gorgeous by the way. And, um, everyone just has problems. Like, it's not like, like you'll, you look around sometimes in these trail races and you see some people that look like they're cruising, but little do you know that five kilometers ago, they could have been in a very bad place mentally or five kilometers from now they might fall and like twist their ankle. And so you can't just be looking around at someone and think, okay, they're doing great. And I'm not, I suck, um, in the race. And the same thing goes for business. Like we hear, all we hear about with media coverage is like what companies raising how much money and success, success, success. And rarely do we hear failures. And when we do hear failures, it's still like made out to be cool. Like we work made a whole movie about it. It may look so cool. And it's just like, uh, there's not enough like failures being shown. And so, yeah, the whole mindset there was just like, no one has it figured out. Like just keep going. That's like the, the the five words to say well yeah no one wants to share their failure right like they that's not you know uh people lift up that success and so it's like when we get and we have that failure we think we're on our own our own like we think no one has ever done this before like we think we're just the loser over here that's failing where like when you hear all these stories of you know these big you know really rich people you know that have had a huge amount of success and you look back before, like Microsoft wasn't Bill Gates's first company. Like these, you know, uh, you know, the I'm trying to think. Like I think I know pretty sure Jeff Bezos had some stuff that he had done before that had yeah. not had. And Zuck much, too. Yeah. yeah. And so there's there's all these things, and it's like, but that's a small part of their story. And so when you're in that failure, that's not what you're thinking about. You're thinking about your failure. And so, you know, I think that that resilience that you get from a long distance run from, you know, pushing yourself in, in a sport is something that tells you that when you have that failure in, you know, whatever it is that you've already been to the edge, like you've already been to that point and you can go to that point again. And so I think that's why you see, you know, so many people, uh, you know, I'm not going to say everyone because it's definitely not everyone, but that's why you see so many people uh, that have been in sports like do well in business because uh, or you see their motivation coming out from that. And I think, you know, it's it's a it's a great way to create a well-rounded person, meaning it gives you like how, you know, your training, you know what your longest training run, how long did that take? Um, the 35 K took four hours. Yeah. So like you're putting a significant chunk of time into this training. Right. And so when you have to put your time into other things, it helps you become more well-rounded overall instead of just focused on that, focused on that one thing. And I think that's going to help you and help like anyone with longevity. Right. Because it's, it becomes like, obviously your business is important, but it's like not the only thing, you know, that's driving you. So, yeah. I think downtime is also important. I don't think we, we talk enough about downtime. I think most people feel like they have to be on that grind mode 24-7 when in reality, you just can't be. And so if you're trying to be, you're probably just doing half-assed work and it's far more healthier to stop and have that downtime, whatever that means for you, and then come back because you, it's just physically impossible to always be on that grind mode. Like you need to be able to like work, almost like Naval says, like work, um, and then rest. I forget. I think it's like a lion. There's like a video of like a lion that like waits for the, like the gazelles to run. 
and then chases it, kills a gazelle, and then rests. So working those kind of small bursts versus just like very long, like downward slope. You need yeah, to have when those you, like rest periods. Yeah, when you look at like the typical like eight to five worker working eight hours a day, like when you actually look at what they did or what the work was during that period, there's all sorts of statistics out there and I don't know them off the top of my head, but like they're actually wasting a significant chunk of that day. And, and that's just because mentally you just can't put in that focus. And so Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of, you know, running your own brand is that you can kind of build that. And, and honestly, like that, going back to the fitness piece, like that helps you with that focus too, right? Because you have to be able to get your mind to the right place to be able to run for four hours to go that length you've never gone before. Yeah. So that's one way that they both, they're for sure both correlated, like fitness and business. One way they're different is that with business, it's like you're just saying with the whole like nine to five worker, traditionally we measure inputs and not outputs. And so as long as someone's inputting a lot, we don't really care too much about the outputs. It seems like with like traditional management, Whereas in reality with the business, like you want to measure outputs and results and not so much how long it took you to do something or how many hours you worked that day, just the outputs, just the results. It's all that matters. Whereas with fitness, like you have to get those reps in, like you have to kind of measure those inputs and do it. And then the outputs will follow. But like it's a two-sided equation there for fitness. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think businesses are getting better at measuring the outputs. I think we're seeing a shift uh, and, and you know, COVID has helped with that. And there's already stuff that was helping and like technology is changing that too. Like it's, it's making, you know, different things measurable and work. So it'll be interesting to see where, see where it goes. But, uh, you know, the, as we kind of like talk, talk about this, like, I'm just curious because, you know, obviously you've talked about, you may be potentially selling, like you may have a next step. Like what is, what is, what's your long-term goal? What's your long-term plan? Do you think long-term like that? Like 10 years down the road, like, what do you want to be doing? Like, what's your, what's, what do you want your life to look like? Um, from a high level, it's just running companies and still staying very, very fit and having a family. Those are like the main three in 10 years. I can't be specific enough and say, oh, I'm going to be a co-founder of X company that does this. But I know that as long as those three pillars are there, so like family, fitness, business, um, everything else is just gravy. That's the kind of way I view it. And of course, there's like set amounts of money that I don't want to share too much about, but um, I know how much I need and it's not like a it's, it's a lot less than what I thought I needed when I was like 16, which was like a billion dollars. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, and you have to balance that that stress, you know, like that there's, there's so much that comes with some of that. And so you have to determine where that is for you. And, um, you know, I think, I think we're made to work. So I, you know, this whole, for me, the idea of like retiring early and doing all this, like it doesn't have a, you know, doesn't have an appeal, but there's an appeal to being able to choose what you're going to be working on. Right. And so, so that's where, that's where for me, like those are the goals that you, that you chase after. And sounds like, um, sounds like you, you have some plans for the future. So we're excited to see what that is. Uh, is there anything else, uh, that you've learned lessons that you've learned from your e-commerce brand that you think, uh, people would be able to take something away from? Yeah. I mean, I kind of shared this in a recent video on my channel. I think that, um, that's definitely 
one part where I shared it. But in a nutshell, if they just don't want to go there, totally fine. I think that like just the key takeaways is really have a low skew count so that you can have better cash flow. Um, aim for a high average order value. Like it's becoming harder and harder to get like repeat customers, especially if you're doing the whole like TikTok side. It's very impulsive. And so if you can get someone to spend over $75 AOV, I think that's super healthy for e-commerce. Um, and then just be very selective with who you work with as a 3PL partner. I think that there are some big companies out there, like the bigger they are, the more expensive they are. And they'll just absolutely rip you off if you're a small new brand. And so finding those like one-to-one um, like fulfillment partners is much better than like working with some like conglomerate company and it can make or break like the cost structure of your business. And then um, when it comes to team, just uh, be lean and kind of build that culture from the beginning of, hey, like we are here to make revenue and profit. We are here to kind of have a great customer experience and kind of just like have KPIs. I think we use Gorgeous for customer service, which has like a great kind of interface to, like you were saying earlier, measure results and see how good customer satisfaction is and how long response times take and all that good stuff. Um, so that's, a kind of like, that's like a bucket list of things, I'd say, for sure. But overall, yeah, just um, like sell really good quality products, have a good experience, and like measure outputs much more than you do inputs, especially as you begin to scale as a CEO. Um, and good things might come, maybe. That's great. That's great. Well, thanks for taking the time to sit down with me. We'll put all the social links and everything else like in the show notes. So for sure. go whatever platform or wherever he is that you're going to interact with, go um, give him a follow or whatever it is on that platform, subscribe, whatever, like all those deals. And um, I do appreciate you. Like, you know, I can say like me and Corey, we've, you know, I've been building on Twitter. We've gone back DMs, tell he's a good dude. So um, appreciate you taking the time to sit down and uh, had a lot of fun learning a little bit more about your story. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Corey. I enjoyed having this conversation with him. I think it's really cool to see what young kids are doing and seeing the tools that are out there. Some lessons, some things that I learned just from kind of talking to him is that you go back and he started doing what he did at 16. He just said, this is what I want to do. And he started. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast, but it shows how important it is that we just start, that we just learn. And he's now found a success, but it's not on his first product. It's not on his 10th product. It's in his 100th product, right? And so I'm sure they're still trying other products, but it didn't happen easier. It didn't happen quick. Yeah, I know they had success along the way, but their breakout success did not come for quite a while. So stick with it. Have that uncommon resolve and just keep plugging away. Learn, iterate, make progress, and keep the faith. Because if you do that, well, I can't promise that you're going to have success in what you're doing right now. But that process of learning, that process of iterating, that process of taking action is going to help you find what that thing is. So we will wrap it up there. Remember, as I've been saying, action creates clarity. So take 
one step forward this week on one of your goals so that you can find more clarity in your life. We'll talk to you next time.